Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is I, Taylor Abbott, in our next installment of Business Banter. I have Jackie Orr from Jordan Wojtek. If I always pronounce that correct, Wojtek, Wojtek. Um, so Jackie, let's start out. We were chatting here a few minutes before we started the uh, recording. And, you know, as I normally do, let's hear a little bit of background about you and, you know, what's your life been like and where'd you come from? And give us a few minutes of uh, the world of Jackie. Sure. I, I have a very non-traditional path for a lawyer. Uh, most lawyers have a very linear path through firms, and I definitely don't have that. Um, I started out practicing with a large law firm, um, was a partner there, spent about 13 years there um, while I was there. And I had a mixed practice there, uh, did a lot of litigation, actually, while I was there and um, had a mixed practice there, got my PhD while I was there. And then I had two boys and when they were young, I transitioned in-house and worked at West Virginia University in the general counsel's office at the Health Sciences Center, um, working for the chancellor of health sciences in-house. And I also had an academic job as the provost of the university. I spent some time as a CEO and then transitioned back into private practice. So I had a little bit different path than a lot of people take, um, which I think has been great for me. It's given me a different kind of perspective on legal advice uh, when you're able to consider a little bit more of the operational impact. And um, spent some time with a regional firm in uh, Pittsburgh and then met my current uh, law partner there, Michael. And he and I went on our own last October. So it's, uh, we're actually coming up on our one year anniversary. We're getting ready to do a, a retreat for our firm to celebrate our one year anniversary. And it's, it's been really interesting. It's been an interesting path, so. That's great. Well, you, so what a background. So it took you, so you did 13 years. And so almost like what, 14, 15th year, you started your own business, but it sounds like you were a CEO before. So I'm sure you got the, uh, you got some training as to what it took to start a company with that other job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you certainly get a different perspective and a different insight when you've sat with the P and L sheet in front of you and made the hard decisions and had to manage people and resources. And, um, you know, from, from my chair, even manage uh, outside counsel. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, I learned a lot. I loved being a CEO. It was actually really fun. And I thought I would only do it for about three years just to get that experience. And I ended up doing it longer because I really, I really loved it. So, but I miss practicing. So it's, it's good to be back too. So you, so in a year though, this is something you should toot your own horn. So you, there was just you and your partner. And now how many attorneys are you up to now? I keep, every time I look on LinkedIn, it seems like you're hiring somebody. Yeah, you're going to see another one uh, coming really soon. Actually, we just uh, added somebody who's in the DC market. Uh, he does some litigation and civil rights work. Really interesting guy with a great background. He spent some time at the DOJ. He's got a military background. Um, but we've got another corporate lawyer in addition to Michael and I in West Virginia. Um, we have an, a dedicated labor and employment lawyer in Texas, and we have a state planning lawyer in Texas. And then this new lawyer that's coming on. And then we have paralegals in Connecticut, uh, Pennsylvania, and Texas, and a couple of law clerks as well. So we're all fully remote. So we're kind of scattered all over. 
That seems like the new model for law firms. That seems very common that uh, nobody's going back in the office anymore. It's all all remote stuff. Well, that's great. Do you have any goals in terms of how big you want to get? You uh, no, you cap I mean, we definitely as big as you can go. No, we definitely don't. We've really grown organically. When we started, we thought it would be just me, Michael, and April forever, and we were going to have this small little law firm and. And that was our only goal. And we've really grown organically as clients and work have kind of demanded it. And as good lawyers have, um, you know, come about and there've been opportunities to do it. So uh, it, the, the expansion has been pretty natural. And I think we'll kind of continue to do that um, as the market dictates and as our business dictates, we certainly don't, we love being small. Um, because we're all pretty close and we like that kind of close-knit environment. And we part of our real goal was to create this diverse working environment where people really felt respected and where uh, their contributions were really valued and where we could meet people where they are. You know, our lawyers set their own schedules for the most part. Um, and, uh, and we like that. So we don't want to lose that. Uh, kind of culture that we've really built the firm on because that's been really important to us. And honestly, I think it's been important to our success too. I think our clients have really appreciated it. So well, before we move on to the next topic, give a quick, so, you know, I know that you do a lot of M&A and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but what other kinds of law does your firm uh, deal with or practice? Do you have certain verticals that you like and don't like or? Yeah. So we're actually very, very narrowly focused. We're a boutique mergers and acquisitions firm primarily, about 60, I would say 65 to 70% of the work we do is mergers and acquisitions. So business uh, purchases and sales, we do both sell side and buy side work. Um, and we also do a lot of organizations, corporate organizations and reorganizations to helping people get their house in order. Um, we do a lot of contracts work. And we do uh, some amount of uh, financing SEC compliance work. We're not uh, securities lawyers by any stretch of the imagination, but we, we do help a lot of small businesses when they're trying to either uh, bring in investors or sometimes buy back equity from family members or uh, transition in ways other than a traditional purchase or sale. Uh, so we certainly do that as well. Um, I mentioned we have a labor and employment lawyer uh, that just came as we saw that practice grow and, and more demand on us to do that kind of work. And then we added an estate planning lawyer because it does dovetail a lot with people exiting businesses, right? They're trying to get their estate in order and trying to decide how does this impact my estate? So that was kind of a natural addition as well. Um, and that's really I, where I see us. I think if, if you see other expansion from us, um, I think you might see it in commercial real estate or you might see it in IP, but you know, we don't have any desire to get away from business related services. We really love all of our clients are primarily business owners and business executives. We really like that. We really like that market. They're all different sizes. We have some really small businesses that we represent, and then we have um, you know, businesses that have hundreds of millions of dollars worth of revenue that we represent too. And they're all over the United States. And our deals are very much that way too, um, it, you know, including some international deals. But, you know, right now we have, we have a $300 million deal we're working on, but we also have a $225,000 deal we're working on. And so one of the things we kind of have prided ourselves on is this ability to kind of scale those services 
to figure out what's this business owner really need and what level of protection, what's their risk tolerance and what level of protection do they need in place and how do we do that in a value-driven way that protects the majority of their deal value and takes into account the size of the deal. And, and that's something that we thought was really lacking in the market and I think is a real kind of contribution we've been able to make. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have you put on a little bit of uh, looking into the future here as we all look at very, you know, a new environment of high inflation and, you know, interest rates. So for my business owner friends who are listening to this, uh, what do you think the next five, 10 years, is there anything they should be doing or how do you, how do you view the M&A environment changing or adapting to the new uh, things that are being thrown its way? Yeah. So, I mean, two separate questions there. I'll take what I think is the easy one first. What should people be doing? Um, and I think the answer to that is, is think about it and, and make a plan. You can always change your plan, but do be thinking about what the next five to 10 years looks like. And if you think that there's an exit in that five to 10 years, um, you know, you really run a business very differently if you're going to exit it in the next three to five years than if you're running it to maximize profit. And so making those kind of strategic changes is really important. And also getting your house in order in a very different way is important if you, um, if you plan to sell in the next few years. So just having that kind of honest discussion, you don't want to be the person that throws your hands in the air and says, okay, that's it. I can't take it a day longer. I need out. Um, because people are rarely ready when the decision gets made that way. Um, you can always push out your horizon if you want to wait a little longer to sell or if there are things going in the market on in the market that you don't love. But uh, it it's generally much more difficult to sell the businesses of people who haven't been thinking about it and planning for it than people who have been intentional about an exit strategy. Um, so that's, so that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing I think that really helps people is some, some time horizon of planning. Um, those are hard conversations, right? A lot of people don't, a lot of business owners, it's their baby. Maybe it's a family business, especially if there's nobody in the family to take it over, um, or they've grown it from scratch and they've got a lot of sweat equity in it. And and also, it, it's also tied really closely. You know, there's the, there's the issue of business readiness. Is your business ready to sell? But there's this, so many personal readiness issues um, as people look to, well, what's it mean? You know, I've been identified with this business and this has been in my DNA. What's it mean when I look to move on from this? And what's life look like after that sale? Um, so we try to... Um, we try to prepare people on the business side and also help them get the advisors in place and the guidance they need to prepare on the personal side too, because that's kind of just as important. So that's half of the question. Mm -hmm. The other half of the equation, what's going to happen, which is more kind of a market question on this, what's going to mm -hmm. happen in M&A with the market? Um, you know, it's always interesting. So people say, people talk about the market and what's going to happen and businesses are going to sell or businesses aren't going to sell. And, you know, the reality is, there's always going to be business owners who need to exit. And there are always going to be people looking to capitalize on that. And I think sometimes people overestimate the impact that, that inflation will have or the impact that the economic market will have on M&A. Now, 
do we see the volume of deals that we were seeing um, a year ago still happening? We do in our firm. We do. Um, are people slowing down because of interest rates? We're not seeing it yet. Um, you know, the the question just becomes: Is there enough debt, enough money to cover the debt service? And people bake that into the cake when they make a decision about buying business. Is it going to impact sale prices? I think it is. I think it will drive sale prices down as a larger percentage of what people need to take into consideration with the purchase price is how much interest they're going to pay. So it might drive value down a little, but I don't think it's going to drive deal flow down. I just don't think we're going to see that happen. Um, like you said, there's just too many people. You know, we've got this baby boomer generation still running businesses out there that are going to need to make a change. Um, and there's still a ton of money in the market. Yeah, that's a great answer. And while we finish up, how can people get a hold of you, Jackie? What's your, uh, you have a phone number and web address? Sure, yeah. Put it on there. Absolutely. So our, our web address is uh, www.jordanvoitech.com. The thing that everybody screws up about that is Jordan, which is my maiden name. It's been screwed up my whole life. So I, I, I'm not surprised by it, but it's J-O-R-D-O-N. Um, V-O-Y-T-E-K.com. So I tell everyone it doesn't have any A's in it. So if you type it out and it has an A in it, you've done it wrong. <laughs> um, so they can definitely uh, get us through through the website or they can find me. Uh, I'm Jacqueline Jordan Core on LinkedIn. They can find me on LinkedIn or on social media um, or my cell, Good for Voice or Text is 304-777-0790. So happy to hear from anybody we might be able to help and always happy to do a, a free initial call with people um, to just talk through some of these business issues if they have them. Well, thank you so much for your time. Very insightful, very insightful. Yeah, it's been my, my privilege. Thanks for having me as a guest.